0: As you guys know, and as Mark just shared, we are in a series on Thessalonians. And Mark last week painted a beautiful picture of what a community of love looks like. In fact, he talked about how our love for one another should abound more and more. And today we're gonna continue in Thessalonians, but before I tell you about the subject matter, next week is Easter, it's gonna be an amazing time. And then the week after that, Is about living in love. I say this because the passage we're looking at today is in between two sections on loving your community and then living in love. And we cannot look at the passage we are looking at today without keeping that in mind. And I want us to look at the passage today as a call, a call towards holiness. And that's what these verses should lead us to seek. They should help us run after the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us towards our next step. I'm looking around. I don't really see any like, kids in here, but the subject matter we are talking about today, as a parent, you might not want your kid to hear. But I would encourage you to wait until after I read the passage to make that judgment call. And then when I'm praying, there is no shame. If you have a kid in here and you're like, I don't want them to hear about these verses, no shame in it at all. The lobby is great. Uh, We have kids classrooms. Like I said, no shame at all. So once again, as we head into these verses, please look at them through the lens that holiness and the call to holiness take time. We also must look at this as though we know for a fact that God is a God of love and that he is calling us to love the people around us. So with that said, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. Once again, that's 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as, you are, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what the instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you Know how to control your own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother and sister in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Already, as you can tell, there's some complete silence in here, and there's some tension. We could hear a pin drop right now. But as we dig in, these parts may make us feel uncomfortable as we dissect these verses but I want to remind you that our journey with Jesus is exactly that. It is a journey. And journeys take time. Healing from your past, from your shame, from your sexual downfalls, it takes time, but it is possible. So wherever you are on this journey, I want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit in to what he may be calling you to do next. Invite the Holy Spirit in to clean your mind, clean your eyes, so you can see these verses the way God intended these verses to be. I want you to realize today, no matter what your past is, you are not broken. You are not a burden. In fact, Jesus died for you, and there is freedom from your past and your sin and your shame. And if you're here and you have never fallen into any sexual temptation or any sexual history at all, I want to encourage you to listen to what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians. This overall is a call to pursue holiness. So as we jump in, I want to pray for all of us here that our minds, hearts, and bodies would be open to what the Lord has for us. God, as we dissect these verses, I pray that your truth would jump off the pages. That no matter what some people may be feeling in this room, the tension, the stress, the anxiety of what verses we may be going through, God, I pray that your love, your grace, and your mercy would shine through your words today. Lord, help me get out of my own way so everyone can see you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's jump in and relook at verse 1. It says, Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are, do- as you are doing, that you do so more and more. The first thing we can notice, based upon how Paul starts this chapter is that he is obviously pleased with the Thessalonians and how they are living. He's pleased with the fact that they are continuing to progress towards Christian virtue. And I say progress intentionally because progress is what this is about. It's not about perfection, and I want to squash that right now as we're jumping into this. This is not a purity culture call to say sex is bad. That is not what I'm about to talk about. What this is, is not about perfection, because perfection is the enemy of progress, and God calls us to become like Jesus daily. That is a journey. Progress takes time, and it is hard work, but it is worth it in the end. And I believe that's why Paul encourages them and us to do so more and more. We are meant to grow in our walk with Jesus more and more as we live and as we walk out. And as we do this, our faith and moral development come alongside us. The goal of the Christian walk is to please God in how we love him and how we love one another. But we must understand this call isn't coming from Paul, and it's definitely not coming from Nathan. This is a call from Jesus. Jesus. As verse 2 shows us, it says, For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Paul wants to point people towards Jesus, but here in this verse, he is also encouraging them to not just listen to the words he shared about the gospel and Jesus, he's encouraging them to actually live it out. Because it's one thing to hear words or hear a pastor talk about something that God says and it's another to actually go, I'm going to cling to this and I'm going to make it my life. I'm going to pursue this with all that I am. And we can only live out the call to be holy through Jesus. He is the only way. He is the truth and he is the life. And we have to look at him as our guide on this journey. And we, similar to the Thessalonians, must begin to understand the will of God for our lives. Verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, Paul puts this here because sexual immorality is and was a roadblock to some Christians trying to grow in their faith and pursuit of Jesus. Now remember, God's will for our life is to love him and love others. And the goal in that is that as we come to love God more and as we come to understand him more, we are able to love people even better. Yet, our sexual immorality is a roadblock to our sanctification and growth towards Jesus. And see, sanctification is a fundamental part of the Christian journey. Sanctification is the process of becoming like Jesus. And it began at the moment of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it continues through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life as the Holy Spirit molds us and transforms us into who God has created us to be. And this verse explains that our sanctification, for our sanctification, we must abstain from sexual immorality. And the Greek word for sexual immorality is porneia, And it literally means any sexual act outside of marriage. Any sexual act, any uh, sexual relation, anything outside of marriage. This includes fornication, pornography, adultery, and honestly, the list could go on and we don't have time for me to do that. It is any sexual act done outside of marriage. And Paul is explaining this to the Thessalonians because he wants their hearts to be focused on pursuing Jesus. See, this is not a sex problem. This is not a sexual relation problem or sex activity problem. This is a heart problem. The Thessalonians and us put sex as a God in our lives when God is like, no, sex is a gift from me. And sex, in its fullest function, is meant to be enjoyed in its fullest in the confines of marriage, because two become one flesh, and that's what it's meant to be about. And before you say something like, well, Nathan's a prude, (laughs) I just want to tell you about the culture that Paul lived in, and you tell me what this culture sounds like. In fact, I actually think it's worse than our culture. The Thessalonian Christians lived during a time where the culture did not see anything wrong with fornication or sexual activity of any kind, other than, of course, adultery. Um, But their reason for it is really messed up, and I'm not going to get into that. But basically, sex was just a huge part of the culture. In fact, even in some of the pagan worship at the time, sex was a primary function in their worship. And we, in our culture today, think that it's the worst it's ever been. And the truth is, it's not. We live in similar cultures to where this is being written and when this is being written. In fact, I read a commentary that was talking about new believers at that time, and it said that they had difficulty comprehending and practicing the sexual ethics that the Christian leaders taught them because of the sexual norms of that era. That seems very similar to what is happening today. And this is not just a young man, young woman problem. We all deal with this. Sex was and is an idol, and it has and continues to take place of God. And yet Paul here is encouraging and calling us to live above the standards of society. He is calling them and us to live in a way that we say we are not going to focus on the social norms. We are going to run after what God has called us to do. And so right now in this moment, wherever you are at, and no matter what you have done or are continuing to do, God is calling you to take the next right step. And sometimes that's all we can do is take the next step. Right step. And sanctification is a process of letting go of old habits and old patterns in our life that honestly just need to go and die. So that the Spirit can fill us with the truth of God. So the Spirit can come in and convict us and say, no, it's time to turn and run towards this. And the point of this verse is that we and the Thessalonians are to progress and pursue holiness as God sees it. So like I said, wherever you are at, no matter how many times you have failed, no matter how many times you will fail, the process takes time. But as God gives you the Holy Spirit and as you begin to see a way out, you gain some self-control. Look at the very next verse, verse four. It says that each of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor. This is a call to all of us, not just men, not just women. We, as believers of the Lord Jesus, must learn to control these bodies. We must learn to give these vessels, which are also a gift, over to God and say, God, what do you want me to do with the vessel you have given me? And see, sexual promiscuity hurts and dishonors all the participants and all the participants that those people are with later on in life. And Paul is asking the Thessalonians to gain some self-control so that they can honor, so that they can love, so they can glorify the people around them. See, the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and to be bonded with someone in sexual activity is a whole body and a whole soul experience. Not like what our world says, that it is only physical, it is only two bodies. No, when you have sex, you have sex with someone's soul. And that is why God wants sexual activity to be done within marriage. Because it is two souls coming together. And when we listen to what God calls us to do with our sexual activity, it leads to not just honoring God, but it also leads to God going, man, look at that person. It also leads the world to go, what is different about that person? Our job is to be an example to the world, and what a better way to be a true example to the world than to remain sexually pure. The culture around us may scream at us all the time that we should pursue our own passions, but God is calling us to pursue wholeness and health. Because we know that God loves us and his call is for us to love others. So we have to look at these verses through that lens. And sexual impurity affects the whole being. And that is why Paul encouraged the Thessalonians to live not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And I want to pause right here real quick because it says who do not know God. I think we can all agree that as Christians, we have gotten a reputation for bashing on the world because they don't follow our sexual ethics. How are we supposed to bash on them when they don't even know who God is? That makes no sense. Their driving force for their sexual passions is exactly that, their passion. Our driving force for our sexual passions should be God. God, what are you calling me to do with this? And through our example, we get to show the world who God is. That's why Paul is putting this here. Paul wants the readers to see that the world will follow their own desires because they do not know God. And I had a professor once say to us, you will know the greatest sins of the world based upon what culture continues to pursue and push in front of you. And I think we can all agree that the three greatest sins of the world are sex, money, and power. And yet they come at us in different ways all the time, and they have different names, and there's different passions, there's different, different things all the time. But at the base level, Those are the three things that continue to mold our culture. And we as Christians are not meant to be molded by culture. We are meant to be molded by God. And the guide for a believer is to follow God and know who he is. And as you grow in your understanding of God's love, grace, and truth, you begin to see through the lies of culture You begin to see other people as God intended us to see them, as people, not objects for our desire. And the truth is that culture will promote sex and porn, and they'll say that it hurts no one. But if you look up the science and the emotional side of it, it deeply affects everything. In fact, our sexual immorality taints our view of others, it messes with the brain chemicals in our minds, and it affects our entire community. And I believe that's why Paul has this as the very next verse. He says that no one transgress and wrong his brother and sister in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. Paul right here is trying to explain to us that sexual sin destroys community and that God will judge it. And before any of you start freaking out about the God will judge it, let me get to that part. Let's focus on this one section at a time. The first section is about how sexual sin does not just affect your own body, although it does affect you, It also affects the person you do it with, the people in your circle, the people in their circle, your entire community, and then also that person's future spouse and your future spouse. Sexual immorality has the power to destroy communities. That's why this says that God is an avenger. And God is the ultimate judge, but also remember this. God is the ultimate redeemer. He is the ultimate forgiver. There is nothing you can do or will do that can separate you from the love of God. Jesus died for you on the cross for your sins, past, present, and future. So there is this idea of giving your shame over to God in this. But right here in this verse, we see that God is an avenger. He is a judge. And honestly, it seems to me that the reason this says this and why I believe it says this here is that it's about unrepented sin. If you're willing to say, God, I've messed up. I need to give this to you. Forgive me. I believe God is willing to forgive. I believe God can forgive anything. And I believe God can take your shame away from you. But we have to be willing to give it to him even if it's a continued struggle. If you're getting on your hands and knees and saying, God, I need your help in this over and over and over again, you're continuing to pursue him. But when you say, forget what God said, I'm going to do my own thing, that's when I believe God is the avenger, he is the judge. But similar to a parent who wouldn't let their kid continue doing stupid things, you punish them. Not because you hate them, but because you truly love them. You want to see them healed. You want to see them have their best life. But that only happens sometimes through punishment. But just remember in that punishment, Jesus died for your sins and shame. God wants us to turn to him instead of our own sexual desires. Because sexual sin has power to destroy community. And it definitely has power to destroy perception. It definitely has power to destroy the Christian witness. I think of examples like Hillsong, who has a documentary coming out right now, because one of their head pastors fell into adultery, and it completely destroyed their community. A community that was meant to be based upon love and Jesus. Sexual sin destroys communities. That's why God has not called us to impurity, but he has called us to holiness. Verse seven, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. If you are sexually impure and you're feeling a lot of tension right now. I want to encourage you to meditate on this verse. This verse right here, God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. God has called us to holiness, and through Jesus, you are made worthy of that holiness. No matter what your past is, you are made worthy of Jesus's holiness because of what he did on the cross for you. Jesus died so that we could have life and pursue holiness. And if you're sitting here and you have never pursued any sexual passions, I want to encourage you with this verse as well. Because this verse right here is saying, continue the good fight. Continue to pursue holiness above all else. In fact, Jesus himself says, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. And our culture screams at us every day, to pursue impurity. But we are not called to impurity, we are called to holiness. We are called to a pursuit of Jesus. And I believe that is why Paul ends this paragraph with these words. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. I believe verse eight can be summed up pretty simply. Who will you serve? Will you serve the world? Will you serve your flesh? Or are you going to pursue God? Are you going to pursue what God has called you to? And when we pursue God with all of us, and when we continue to run after him, God is faithful to give us the Holy Spirit to teach, convict, and prune us. It's not by what we do, it's by what the Holy Spirit does. And I say pruning on purpose because the Holy Spirit leads us through a journey of sanctification. And as we listen and follow the Spirit, we are pruned of old behaviors and habits. I'm not a gardener at all, but this picture really helps me understand what this means. We have the vine, which is Jesus. We have the fruit that's produced from the branches, right? But do you guys see this little stem right here? I think it's called a stem. If I'm wrong, you can tell me after church. (laughs) This little stem, see how there's no fruit on it? No fruit at all. But it's taking nutrients from the vine that's given to the branch right here. But let's say there's a fungus on that. It could kill the entire branch. But if it's pruned, the branch continues to have life. This is what the Holy Spirit does with us. No matter what idol you have in your life, whether that's a sexual history or pornography or any other addiction, when we pursue Jesus with everything and when we give him our hearts and we give him our bodies, he will come through and prune us. This is the role of the Holy Spirit to come in, convict, challenge, and push us towards holiness. And I have a few thoughts to share as we close out, and I want to invite the band back up. The first thing I want to say is that these verses that I just shared with you are not about bashing or destroying anyone who has had sex or any type of sexual relation before marriage. That is not the point of these verses at all. In fact, the verses are a call towards holiness They are a call to say, you know what, God, I'm not doing what you want me to do, but I'm going to give it all to you, and I'm going to just take one step towards Jesus. And sometimes that's all we can do is take one step forward and pursue Jesus, and that's all we need to do. And as we take one step, we begin to pursue holiness and sanctification, and the process begins to take hold. So wherever you are at in your sexual past or present, God is calling you to make the next right step. You cannot change your past, but you can pursue a better future. In fact, Jesus got on the cross for your sins, past, present, and future. He got on the cross for your shame and guilt so that the good news of this message is the fact that you can pursue a new life in God. Despite wherever you are right now in this room, whatever you're feeling about this message, God is challenging you through the Holy Spirit to pursue Him, to give Him your vessel, to give Him your passions. And I know some of us with these verses, we look at them and we think they're difficult and we just want to run the opposite way. But I want to encourage you do not run. Meditate, sit with this, resonate on this. Let's pursue wholeness and holiness together. And your next step might be that you sit down with a trusted and mature friend. And I say trusted and mature on purpose. And you confess to them what you're going through. Or it could look like getting an accountability partner to help you in your journey. You go, man, the spirit's really convicting me of this, but I need somebody to check in on me. Or, and there is no shame in this at all. It might be to the point where you really need counseling. And there is no shame in that. If counseling helps you pursue the way of Jesus, do it. Pursue it with everything you are. Because God did not make us for impurity. He made us for holiness. So God, as we transition to a time of worship, I pray that we would sit on your words that we would remember that you made us to pursue holiness and purity. God, it's not what we want, it's what you want with these gifts you have given us. Sex is a gift. Our bodies are a gift from you. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone in here that is carrying a shame and guilt of their past or even what they're doing or intend to do. Lord, I pray that they would give it to you because you died, Jesus, on the cross for our sin and shame. Lord, I pray that as we sing these last songs, we would meditate and sit with you as we progress towards holiness. Amen.